This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 127 of the iFreaks show. This week on our panel, we have Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. Londo Brewington. North Carolina. James Zuber. Zuber. Hello from oh, parts, parts Unknown. unknown. Wait Unknown. Wait unknown. <laughs> wow, that's wow, quite, that's the, quite echo. the echo. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. This week we have a special guest, and that's Mohammed Azam. Hey, how are you doing? Great. You want to introduce yourself? Yes. So my name is Mohammed Azam. I go by Azam. I am in located in Houston, Texas. I work for Blinds.com, one of the cool companies in Houston. And I work as a senior mobile developer, but work in pretty much, my role is very dynamic. So I work pretty much in a, throughout like a .NET environment, Microsoft stuff also, and Android and also iOS. But most of the time, it's basically responsive design, a little bit of iOS, a little bit of, it's like all mixed together, basically. But on the side, I'm always working on my own projects. I uh, just submitted my Apple TV app. It got approved and it's available for sale. It's called Seven Minute Body, and uh, hopefully you will, uh, you know, download it from the Apple TV store. Wow, it's funny because when we have guests, and I'm sitting here thinking, I've used them before. It's usually because they work for some tech company, but Blinds.com, I've used them before. Yeah, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we brought you on to talk about iBeacons. Yes, iBeacons. I started developing for iBeacons, uh, I would say maybe six, seven months ago. Uh, there was a Houston hackathon going on at that time where you have 24 hours and you have to basically finish a product in 24 hours. So one of the projects that I overtook was uh, to create a iBeacon kind of app for Houston museums. So iBeacon, if, if you have to step back to discuss what exactly is, iBeacon is a Bluetooth low energy device and it will send you the Bluetooth signal and it can only send, it cannot receive. Uh, each iBeacon can send you a UUID, which is like a 16-digit long number, a major ID, which is like integer, and then a minor ID, which is in, also an integer. And your app, Android or iOS app, it can consume those three entities, three attributes, and display whatever data you want to display. So during that time, I created that for the Houston Hackathon. I completed the app, the museum, basically a museum tour because I live in Houston, Texas, and we have a very rich museum district, which you might already aware of. So basically, the plan was that you go near a painting and there is an eye beacon behind the painting somewhere hidden. And as you go near the painting, it will automatically refresh on your iPhone or your iPad, reflecting the status of the painting, the description of the painting, the history of the painting. So that kind of app I, I developed uh, for the Houston Hackathon. Oh, very cool. So when they introduced the iBeacon, I heard all these people saying, oh, all the retail stores are going to get it, and then they're going to pop up a coupon on your phone, and I've never seen anything like that. So it's interesting to see that there's actually a use for them in, in the sense of 
pushing data to the phone or having your phone react to where you are? Yeah, so that's a very good question because retail market has been extremely slow in adopting these things. I think the Target store is one of the only stores that I've heard that they're going to introduce and they're going to utilize iBeacons in the 50 selected stores. I think one of them might be in Austin also, but most of them are in New York and San Francisco area. But yes, Target is only one of these. Now, this is already being used in some of the grocery companies like Little Grocery companies, not like Walmart and HEB, but much smaller grocery companies. And they have seen a very high return of investment using the iBeacons. And when I was talking about uh, iBeacons in museum, in Netherlands, Holland, uh, there is a museum called Tupanland. And uh, it's basically a tulips museum, a flower museum. And they have already basically integrated their museum uh, with the iBeacons. So if you go close to a certain display of flowers or a certain display of tulips, your iPhone app or your iPad app will reflect where you're standing oh, and also give you a guidance to how you can get to a certain other part of the museum. Uh, but yes, you're right. I mean, in the retail industry, it has been a little bit slow to adopt, and uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll see that happening. I'm also wondering to some degree, well, for one, you have to have the app installed that actually reacts to the data that's sent back by the iBeacon, correct? Yes. Yes, absolutely correct. So the iBeacon can't say, hey, here's your coupon or hey, here's where you're at. It's actually the app that says, oh, I detect that you're standing close to this iBeacon and I know that that means that you're standing next to this collection of flowers or whatever. Yes. Yes. So you have to have the app installed in order for the iBeacons to work. That is true. One other thing that I'm curious about is uh, what's to keep me from putting in, say, a Bluetooth uh, transmitter on my computer and have it transmit erroneous data or kind of fake out being a, an actual iBeacon somewhere? So there are ways, yes. Uh, there are some ways that you can create a Mac app or an iPhone app and you can step into Macy's or you can step into some other store. And if they have iBeacon installed, you will get all the information from those iBeacons using the Bluetooth signal. Uh, you can, of course, do that, but you cannot push that kind of an app to the app store. Uh, okay. So you cannot push an app that will say, hey, give me all the iBeacon surrounding me. So you're not going to, that will be basically rejected by Apple. You have to know the UUID, the major ID and minor ID. So if you're using uh, Estimote iBeacons, which are one of the more popular ones, then they will provide you a certain iBeacons like that with the UUID and major ID and minor ID. If you're using particle iBeacons, their IDs will of course be much different than the Estimote or any other iBeacons. So you have to know those things in order to work with iBeacons. So what, uh, it sounds like there's still been some slow adoption for using iBeacons. What do you think is the reason for that? It seems like this would be a pretty useful thing to have in any retail outlet. I think retail outlets, I and mean, most of the big retail outlets, uh, just like any other giant company, they, they move like a glacier. They move really, really slowly. It was quite nice to see that Target is investigating more into adopting iBeacons. And according to some research in by 20, I think it was 2020, they were saying that more stores will be adopting. And you, when you enter like Home Depot, when you enter Walmart or any other store, you will see more iBeacons surrounding that. It's also the implementation issue, I guess. I mean, the iBeacon itself or the creating an iBeacon app is not difficult at all, but you have to be very sensitive 
of pushing those notification out. So you have to think a lot that where and what and why would I be pushing notification and how many notification do I have to push out to the user? And that's based, of course, on the different events that are generated by the iOS SDK code. So you have to be very careful to not to cross that line of basically spamming the user with 100 notifications that, hey, do you want to buy that jeans? Do you want to buy that jeans? Do you want to buy that jeans? I mean, this will kind of annoy the users. But for the retail companies or the retail environment, the slow adoption is mostly, I believe, because of this is more of a hardware thing that you physically have to install somewhere. And retail companies or all these big companies are very slow to move on it. So if I'm going into a store, for example, just to take a step back, am I getting a notification or when I only when I enter and leave a particular zone that's that's in, in, encompassed by a beacon? So there are multiple ways of setting up the beacon. So Apple has provided the SDK, which is the Location Manager SDK, or Location Ma- Manager uh, classes. And once you enter the store, there are some events that is did enter region and did exit region. Did enter region, people assume that it will be fired instantly once you enter a region that is being monitored by iBeacon. But that is actually not true. Uh, so it's not fired instantly. I mean, it might take a couple of minutes for that to fire. And that is basically from Apple. That's the whole purpose of did enter region and did exit region to fire. Because sometimes you enter a store and you say, okay, oh, you know what? I forgot my keys in the, I forgot my wallet in the car or I forgot this and this. And you go out of the store. So they don't really want to fire those events instantly. They want to make sure that you have actually entered the region and you have actually exited the region. Now, if I'm taking an example of Home Depot, so let's say they have some iBeacons on a uh, a drill machine uh, shelf. So they can provide a certain range using Estimote iBeacons or any other beacons. They can provide a certain range that this iBeacon will only trigger when I am very far, which can be 60 to 70 feet, which I can be near, which is a couple of meters, like a very like uh, five, six feet or something, or immediate, which is like really next to it. Mostly immediate, you will never use. Mostly you will use the near part. And you can control those things that you can make the range much larger or smaller remotely so you can test out different things. Now, when iBegin came out maybe two years ago, everyone got really excited. They started developing apps. And the apps, as you said, were pretty simple. You don't have to do too Mm -hmm. much. You go into a region, you listen for things. The initial tests of actually getting these systems to work were pretty tough. People, a lot of people ran away screaming from iBeacons because you'd mm-hmm. have, you know, a bunch of iBeacons in a room and the one next to you wouldn't be that strong and the one across the room shows up at full strength. So it was hard to actually get a good mm-hmm. location, especially indoors, like even on like a retail shelf, which might be metal and might have right angles and all crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I admit that's part of the reason why there hasn't been wide adoption in retail because implementation has been difficult from the people that I've talked with. But, you know, since we're talking about advanced iBeacons, what are some ways that we can minimize those headaches? Because there are people rolling out systems that are working. Yeah, so I've tested like these two beacons. And of course, in in my scenario, I actually in one of the scenarios, I did have a little bit of uh, a wall basically in front of it. But I mean, I have used a particle beacon, which is by KS Technologies, and I have used uh, Estimote uh, beacons, uh, which is by the company Estimote. So if I have to test the did enter region, did exit region kind of events, for particle beacon, what you can ex- simply do is to 
take out the battery. So you take out the battery and then after a couple of minutes or after 30, 60 seconds or so, did exit region will fire. And once you enter the battery again, then the did enter region will fire. Now for Estimote, they have a really cool feature that you can enable the sleep. So if you turn the Estimote beacon upside down, it will actually go to sleep. Uh, so that way you can test it out, the Estimote beacons, if it's inside the region, if it's entering the region or exiting the region. In case of kind of like a barrier in front of the regions or barrier in front of the eye beacons, like if there's a wall or if there's some sort of a concrete or steel or something, yes, then you have to make sure that they are installed correctly at the correct location. There's no way around that because you can have an eye beacon, which is a full strength beacon and if like a full battery, full power and full signal. But if you have something, a barrier between, then the, the consumer might not be able to listen to it. Now, I've used eye beacon practically. Uh, I was on a vacation a couple of months ago uh, maybe three, four months ago, we went to Denver with my family. And what I did is I created an app called Arrived. And I, uh, using the particle beacon, I, I placed the particle beacon inside my luggage. So I took the picture of my luggage, which is like the bags, and I wrote it down like, okay, this luggage is a sports bag, this luggage is a black bag or whatever. And I placed an iBeacon inside the luggage and checked it in. So when I landed in Denver at the carousel, I got a notification that, hey, your luggage has arrived. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so that was a kind of like a very cool, uh, uh, practical uh, scenario that, that I used it for. And it worked flawlessly. I mean, it was actually, uh, sometime I was receiving multiple, like two notification after a while because sometime the bag was on a carousel and it went inside the area where it was away. So I was like, okay, it said that, hey, I've received my bag, but I don't see my bag on the carousel. So I later found out that the bag is on the other side of the carousel and it will eventually return from the, you know, the other side. And it, it worked, it worked pretty good. I mean, I, I'm going to use it uh, again, basically for all my trips. That's pretty darn slick, I have to say. I'm kind of curious to know how how good the I guess the the right word is probably the the precision of uh, iBeacon's proximity um, estimation is. I've noticed like all all of the Apple stores have iBeacons hmm. in them, so that when you walk into the Apple Store, the Apple Store app comes up on your lock screen, and or you get a notification. And I've noticed that I'll be at the mall, and I'm really not even anywhere that close to the Apple Store, and that notification hmm. will come up as if it can't really tell that I'm not actually in the store. Mm. So I'm, um, I'm curious if that's a problem or something you've seen. I think it, it's, I mean, using iBeacon to pinpoint the exact location of a person, it, it is extremely hard. And for Estimote has a indoor SDK, which is actually designed for this purpose. Uh, but you need four iBeacons to do that. And even if you have four iBeacons to pinpoint a person's exact precise location, it really depends on if there are any barriers in, in between, if there are any, uh, what is the signal strength of each iBeacon? What is the battery life of each iBeacon? I have never really seen iBeacon to be used as this kind of a purpose to exactly pinpoint, unless of course you are in some sort of, uh, I don't know, airport where they have hundreds of iBeacon installed and they can tell you how you can get from terminal A to terminal B. But for Apple Store and these kind of things, uh, it can be related to if they have programmed it incorrectly. I mean, if they have set up the range incorrectly to say like 70 meters instead of 10 meters. So there can be a lot of stuff that can be 
wrong between the eye beacons. But yes, it, you're right. It's not a, I mean, it's not a perfect, you're not going to get a perfect basically a scenario all the time. Sometimes it will be off a little bit and you will see that you will be getting signals which are meant for 70 meters. You're getting at like 30 meters or 10 meters apart. Now, is that due to the stuff that's between you and the eye beacon or is that the quality of the hardware or something wrong with your phone? It can be actually all of these. Uh, it can be the quality of the signal that you are receiving. It can be the RS, I mean, the received signal strength, which you, you can configure that you are, you are sending out a maximum powerful signal strength versus like a normal signal strength. It can be your phone also because the, the new devices like iPhone 6 and iPhone 6S, they will be much quicker to interpret and receive those signals as compared to iPhone 5 and iPhone 5S. Yeah, I think it's a wide range of different things that affect the signals. I've talked with people that were doing implementations in like a hospital setting where they attached not specifically an eye beacon, but a BLA device to like some equipment they're using, like a scalpel. You know, Dr. Smith runs off of the scalpel. Where is it? Mm. I don't know. And they have things moving between floors overnight when there's no one in there just by random things happening, you know, battery draining. So it's just, just a wide range of things that affect the results that you get. Yeah. And for moving things, uh, Estimote also has, uh, so these are iBeacons, but Estimote also, Estimote also has the sticker iBeacons. I think they're called nearables. So the concept of nearables is that they are basically stickers. So you attach the sticker iBeacon, which is nearable, onto a object that is moving. So you can attach a sticker to your you know, dog or a cat. And then you can track that, that if it is moving or not. I mean, your cat is moving or your cat is running and all that stuff. So, so that's, I think, kind of cool that you can, you can track the moving objects also. You can attach it to your bicycle and you can make sure that they are moving. So one thing that I'm wondering about is exactly how does it range things? Is it like near, mid and far or is it? more of a, you know, it's within range or not within range, or is it all of the above? And and does it go off of the signal strength, or does it actually know that the iBeacon is cranked way up or cranked way down? It doesn't know about that much about the signal strength. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. So it's it depends on how you have configured it. So there are different ways. Uh, one can be unknown, which is if your iBeacon is very, very far away, like more than 60 meters. So it's unknown. Now, far can be 60 meters, 50 meters, 40 meters, depending on type of the iBeacon you're using. Near can be like 2 meters, 5 meters. This can be near. And immediate is like 0.5 meter to like basically very, very close to the iBeacon itself. And using Estimote, I mean, I've used Estimote for basically setting out a different kind of ranges. So using Estimote uh, app, like the iPhone app, you can configure your iBeacons to be far, near, or immediate based on your scenario, based on your requirement. I know this is probably, they probably vary according to which uh, device, but what type of life uh, expectancy can someone expect for one of these beacons? So I've used particle eye beacon and particle take those 2032, that, that, that particular cell and a uh, battery. And I have seen it lasting for, of course, it depends on many factors that how you are sending your signal or how you are uh, basically populating your signal to other. But I have seen around uh, three months to four months. 
for a particle beacon. For estimate beacon, I haven't changed. Well, they say that it's around like one and a half year to uh, 12 months to one and a half year or so. Um, the problem, I mean, estimate beacon looks very nice and polished and uh, cute. Uh, but one of the problems that I see with estimate beacons is you cannot change the battery. So you have to, if you, if you have seen estimate beacons, they have a, like a rubber kind of like a coating. So you have to completely cut off the coating with a knife and then you have to install the, the battery. Uh, I have contacted estimate and they said, if you cut off those, like the rubber top, we will send you a new one. But I think there should have been a much better way to changing the battery just to completely compromise the beacon. Pretty much you're destroying the beacon at that point because you're cutting the top of the beacon to change the battery. Uh, there are some beacons which are much larger, which takes like a double A batteries. So that will last at least like two years. So each beacon, depending on their size, I guess it's, it's very different for four months to two years. Now, you talked about Estimote having an API for location if you have four. And I, I don't remember the other brands you brought up. Do any of the other ones have similar APIs that are usable? So Estimote does provide their own implementation of if you want to use that. Uh, but I have used whatever the APIs are provided by Apple. So I haven't used their classes. So I have used the location manager and all the basically all the code that Estimote has actually provided. And the same thing that I have done uh, with the particle beacon also. But if you want to create an iBeacon app, most probably you want to target all the users instead of only uh, the iOS users. So Estimote does provide APIs to which can work with Android apps. So, and also it will, so iBeacons will work for Android also, provided that you're using, you know, whatever is provided by Estimote SDK. And also they also provide the, well, I'm actually blanking out on the name, Eddystone. So Eddystone is a, a basically a Google's implementation of the iBeacon protocol. Uh, it will work on Android devices as well as iOS devices. And uh, Estimote does provide an SDK to work with Eggstone also. So if you use Estimote's SDK, does that only work with Estimote's beacons or will their SDK work with other companies' beacons too? I haven't used their SDK, but I'm going to say that it will only work. It's, yeah, uh, I haven't used it, so I, I'm, I'm not sure that if it will work with other, but it usually depends on those three IDs that you're providing. So I'm going to say that, yes, it should work. If you have those three IDs of any other beacon, then you can even use Estimote SDK to do that stuff. I think one of the features that Estimote SDK provides is the usage of the accelerometer. So it, it will, your beacon can wake up, you, your beacon can throw events if there is some sort of uh, disturbance, basically, if you move the beacon, it's going to throw an event. So those are some of the features that Estimote Beacons actually provides. Or else, I mean, you can write your own things, but uh, those are actually built into it, Estimote SDK. I'm going to so use an Estimote uh, Beacon, put it in my house, and then it'll wake me up going, Earthquake! <laughs> One question that I have about all of this is that it seems like the iBeacon setup is pretty simple. In other words, your phone detects that it's there. I'm assuming that's just a general Bluetooth low energy kind of thing where um, mm. the one saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and the other one's going, oh, I found you. And then they talk and they get that information. 
During that information exchange, is there any way that you could actually uh, collect information on the phone that's passing by the beacon? I mean, even just some kind of identifier or something? Yeah, you will. I mean, in the... uh Basically, if you're using SMOD beacons or any other beacons, I mean, using the uh, APIs that are provided by Apple, you will receive all the things that are provided by those beacons. So you will receive all that UUID and major ID and minor ID. Uh, and based on those things, you can change anything you want. Yeah, I was curious if it went the other way, though. Like, is there any way the iBeacon will know that my phone and your phone are next to the same iBeacon? Because that might be interesting for different gaming applications or something where it's you're you're driving through town and you've set up uh, beacons throughout the city and you start to you know so it's like George is right by you or something I don't know I mean iBeacon itself cannot listen to anything but if you can I guess program it some yes so I guess if you yeah I, I guess if you can have some sort of ID related to each iPhone and when you receive those signals you send the ID to your server and save with the geotags or latitude and longitude, then you might be able to, yes, so you might be able to do those things. That when you're passing through that iBeacon, it might get the data for that particular location it represents, get all the people who were passing from that location and tell you that, hey, five of your friends passed from the exact same location. I think one of the other uses that I saw, and I, and I heard about it, I don't know if it's implemented or not, but uh, there was one company, or I, I think it was the health department or something, they were implementing iBeacon throughout their campuses, and they were encouraging every employee to install their app and then take a walk, like take maybe, you know, 10, 20 minute walk and start being like healthy and stay fit. And all these iBeacons were basically kind of tracking that if you have walked a mile, if you have walked two miles, and things like that. So basically the same concept as the app that you were describing. When you're passing through some location, it can tell you that this person has actually passed. I'd like to talk a little bit about the APIs for using iBeacon in iOS. We talked about how there the, there's the Estimode SDK and you know Google has their open spec, but I think most of our audience are just plain old iOS developers. And so can you explain a little bit about how what the API for iBeacons looks like? Absolutely. So the first thing when you're using the location manager, the first thing you will always have to do starting from iOS 8 is you have to request the authorization. So if you don't do that, your location manager will never kick in. It's never going to work. And basically that is part of the location manager requests always authorization protocol or the method. So you have to call that and you have also have to make an entry for NS location always uses description in the info.p list. And that particular entry that you're going to make is going to be convert it into an alert box, basically, and the user has to say, yes, I agree with that, that you're going to be using my location and your app will be running in the background. So that's the first step you, that you have to take or else your application is not going to work. But then after you have done that, you can simply register the beacon with the location manager by saying, basically, ranging for beacons and adding the beacons to that particular location manager. And there are different kind of events that are triggered, which is did enter region, did exit region, and did range beacons. And these are mostly all the three events that you will be interesting, uh, you will be interested. As I explained earlier, did enter region does not instantly get fired. It might take a while for that 
event to actually trigger. And same goes with the did exit region. So if you want to say goodbye to someone when they leave your store, it's not going to be instant if your code is inside did exit region. It's going to take a couple of maybe 30 seconds or maybe a couple of minutes if you are exiting the region. The event that is fired all the time is did range beacons, which is simply saying that are there any beacons? Are there any beacons? Are there any beacons? So this particular did range beacons is actually fired all the time. Now, it's not a good idea to do kind of calculations or things inside the did range beacons, but I have actually done that in the arrived app because it's for me, basically. That's the, I mean, it's not on the app store. And my whole purpose is that if I'm at the airport uh, with two kids who are crying, I don't want to wait another second. I don't want to wait for did enter region or did exit region to get fired. I just want to know if my bag is here or not and just take the bag and go home. But you should think in your scenario, if you want to implement something inside did range beacons event, which is being fired all the time. So basically, these are the three events that you will be needing to fire or to work with the iBeacons. And no matter what kind of app that you are building using iBeacon, these will always be the three events that you will be looking at. So th- those three APIs that you're talking about, all of this is in core location, right? You don't end up having to drop down and use the core Bluetooth APIs at all, correct? Yeah, you, yes. You don't have to use that. It's all in a core location. And if you don't have iBeacons, if, I mean, some of the iBeacon, like particle iBeacon is like $40 for one iBeacon. ST mode iBeacons are three iBeacon for $100. And if you don't have those, you can actually convert your computer, your Mac into an iBeacon. So there is a, uh, app. It's called Mac X as Beacon. That is, it will give you a UUID and a major ID and minor ID. It's a Mac app, so it will generate that ID. And then you can feed that ID in your application. So now your Mac is acting like a beacon. So if you come near your Mac, it's going to trigger those events and going to send those IDs. If you don't have a Mac that has Bluetooth compatible or that that does not have a Bluetooth LTE, then you can actually, you know, buy a Bluetooth LTE uh, USB, which is like maybe 15 bucks or 14 bucks from Amazon and plug it on a USB port. And now your Mac will be compatible with the Bluetooth LTE. So besides some, or some of the use cases that you've put out there as, as possible things you can do with iBeacons, are there any other things that you've seen people do with them that are kind of interesting or unique? I've used iBeacon for another purpose also, although it's very similar to the arrived at the baggage claim kind of purpose. Uh, I put one iBeacon into my daughter's bag and she goes to school in a bus. And of course you, you have to, you have to receive her. You know, the, when the bus comes, you, the, the parents have to be outside to receive the kid. So, uh, sometime I'm upstairs, sometime I'm in the garden and I don't really realize that the bus is waiting outside. So now when she comes, the iBeacon uh, sends a signal and then I know that my daughter is here. So I just go to the front porch and then pick her up. So that's one of the other reasons, which is very similar to, of course, the baggage claim that once it arrives, you, you will know. Then the museum is a very good example where if you have a city where you live in, where it's a very great, like a great museum district, like in Houston, they can take advantage of the iBeacon, install it. And the great thing about 
installing these iBeacons is that the information that you're displaying on an iPhone or a Mac or um, iPhone or an iPad on a user's device, it's all dynamic information. If you find something new about the painting, about the sculpture, about an artifact, you can go ahead and change it and it will reflect on the device, on the customer device. I mean, if we go back to the old school method where you have to enter a museum and you have to put on those large headsets and listen to on some sort of a tape or cassette or something, those information, most probably they're not going to change that. That is recorded once. If they have to change that, it's going to cost them thousands of dollars to change that. Uh, so that's another really great usage of iBeacons. So that effort with the with the museum, was that something that you just volunteered for or, or was there like a desire that had come from the museum themselves? No, I mean, I was a part of the or I was taking a part in the Houston Hackathon and basically it was like 24 hours and developed something. So I developed this kind of prototype uh, and I also talked to museum districts that if they will be, uh, you know, if they're willing to create something like this and we can help them create something like this, um, uh, the talks are basically still going on. But uh, it was part of the Houston Hackathon 2015 where I basically presented that, hey, this this idea for Houston museums, you have a lot of museum, children's museum, you have Manel Collection and all of National Science Museum with a very, very famous museum in Houston. They can all benefit from uh, from iBeacons. Other things that I've heard is that some areas which have mom and pop shops, it will be a good idea to give them a business that, that they can subscribe to some sort of a service. And then a person who has an app installed, when, when that person is passing in that particular area, it will get like a notification that, hey, uh, you know, these clothes are on sale or these hair clips are on sale or these kind of things are on sale. So it's also very good for those small mom and pop shops and they can take advantage of the people who are walking outside their shops to learn more about what is inside. I, I kind of want to put one kind of like what you did with your daughter where you put it in the backpack. And yep. then actually build like a devchat.tv app. And then one of the Easter eggs is, is if you come within a certain distance of me, it'll ping your phone and say, hey, Chuck's around. Chuck's <laughs> around. Yeah. I think all the, uh, there are a lot of iOS events like NS Spain, then there's a Pragma conference, and there was a release note conference, and there's a lot of 360, I mean, 360i dev and all that stuff going on. This is, uh, the IB can, can be very useful for these conferences also, that you just, uh, you know, it can help you locate where the actual session is going on. And then it can also help you that if you are standing outside, basically the entrance, you can see the whole schedule of what, sessions will be given in a particular room so it can it can work in different ways for conferences oh wow that's cool all right well if there's nothing else i know that uh, some of us have a hard stop yeah is there anything else we should cover before we uh hit some picks i think that's that's pretty much it i i mean i i encourage everyone to try out ibeacons if they cannot buy it if they, they don't want to buy ibeacon they can always test it out using their mac with the with the app MacDAX as Beacon, but yeah, so you can use the app to try it out on your on your Mac and see how it works. And and if you do try it out, please, uh, I mean, let us know about the use cases that that you are trying to solve, because that will be very beneficial. Uh, like the baggage claim or the arrived app, you can uh, build very you know similar things of nature or, or completely different things, uh, and that will help basically innovate in that area. All right. Well, let's do some picks. 
Alondo, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I have one pick this week. And the first one will probably be many travel-related ones as I get ready for a remote year. Uh, the first one, um, and the only one this week, is the Anchor PowerPort 5 that I picked up in the last couple of weeks. Um, it's a nice little uh, USB charger. Um, I was running out of spaces, and I only have two USB ports on my uh, laptop. So trying to keep all these test devices uh, charged up uh, was becoming a hassle. So uh, that is what I'm currently using. I'm pretty pleased with it. Yeah, those things are freaking nice. I've got a couple of anchor things like that. Jane, what are your picks? Okay, I've got one pick. I'm going to make a pick for the first Lego League, which is a robotics conference for kids. I think age four through eight. And I didn't know this initially, but first, it's a part of a larger group that does robotics competitions for kids, mainly older kids. But this is the Lego League. So they build a robots using Legos, the Mindstorm kit. And I've been working with kids over the past few weeks. And they're really getting into it. So they're getting, they're coding a robot, making it do things, um, trying things out, uh, the same type of things that you know we all do in our jobs. And I've just been mentoring them and helping them out. And it's a cool little event. You're probably too late to get it going for this year because the competitions start happening in November or December. But uh, if you've got kids that you think might want to do some programming, uh, check out the first Lego League. All right. Definitely got to check that out, my kids. Andrew, what are your picks? got two picks today uh my first pick is an api and it's um it was new it's new in ios 9 although the counterpart has been on os 10 for a little while but it's called ui stack view this was introduced at wwdc this summer but i've got my first taste of actually using it in the last few weeks where i've been converting an an older app that was written for ios 5 sort of going through it and modernizing it and converting it to use all of the new layout stuff that they've introduced since then and um, and I've been using UI Stack View, and it's just a really, it's a kind of a really nice API in comparison to some of the older stuff. In particular, it makes so, it kind of handles a lot of the stuff that auto layout could be used for. It does that for you, and it's just easier to use uh, for doing really a lot of UI layout that you might not immediately think could be done as stacks of, of stacks of stacks of views, but you can do them with UI Stack View. So check that out if you're not already using it. Uh, my second pick is, I think, a new app that maybe just came out uh, in the last couple days, but I ran across it today, and it's called Rewind. It's a, it's an app that runs, and it, it's always continuously recording 60 seconds of your screen. And so the idea is that if something happens on your screen and you want a recording of it, you've always got the last 60 seconds of whatever happened. And I think this is useful for developers because sometimes you're using an app during development and something goes wrong and but wait a second it it kind of like passes you before you even quite notice it and so being able to go back and see a recording of exactly what happened can be pretty valuable and actually while i'm at it i'm going to pick another app by the same company because i've i didn't really even realize it was made by them but it's called dmg canvas and i've used this for a long time to make disc images on the mac which is kind of cool so those are my picks all right so uh, i have a couple of picks the first one is uh, allrecipes.com uh, the reason I'm picking this is because my wife is very pregnant at this point. Uh, we're within a month of having uh, our fifth child. And uh, she just can't be standing for long enough to make a good dinner. So a lot of times the kids have cereal or stuff for dinner. So I finally said, look, I will take care of dinner. And so I went on all recipes and I found a bunch of recipes that my kids who are pretty picky and my wife, who is also pretty picky, will actually eat. And so uh, I'm going to be taking over dinner. The thing I like about it is that I paid for a subscription. And what that does is you can actually then add recipes to your favorites list, which I think you can do anyway. But the thing you can't do unless you have a subscription is put all of it into a shopping list. And so I put it all into a shopping list. 
walked through my kitchen and pantry, made sure I knew what I had and what I didn't, went to the store, picked it all up. And so, yeah, so tonight we're going to have chicken sausage and zucchini pasta. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing that off of all recipes. So anyway, they've got recipes for all kinds of stuff. The other thing I like about it is that I have a, I'm lactose intolerant. It makes me really, really sick when I get a little bit of milk. And so what I've been able to do is actually go in and when I do the search, I just check the box that says dairy-free and then I get all the dairy-free recipes, which is awesome. So if you have a dietary restriction, you can pretty much rule out anything that you can't eat. The other pick that I have is LinkedIn. I have just been connecting with all kinds of people over LinkedIn and I've really been liking it. It's funny because for the longest time it was like, all right, well, I'll add all my coworkers and then I don't really care. But um, it's really turned into a great place to connect with people. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, I'll put a link to my LinkedIn profile on the show notes. But you can get them at, uh, or you can get it at linkedin.com slash in slash Charles Maxwood. Anyway, uh, those are my picks. Awesome. What are your picks? Yes, I'm going to do a self plug. <laughs> my pick is uh, my Apple TV app. It's seven minute body app. And it is available. It has been approved by Apple. So it's ready for sale. So next week, hopefully when you get your Apple TV, you can, uh, you can download it. Um, uh, there's a great story about this. I mean, I, I don't really do iOS at work like full time, full time. Uh, my role is kind of very dynamic and spread out. So for to create this app in time, I had to like wake up at like four in the morning to do a little bit of coding and then, you know, all that stuff. But finally, it's it's done, submitted, approved. And um, if you uh, get to buy Apple TV, the new Apple TV, then uh, you can go ahead and download. The app It's called 7-Minute Body. Hope you like it. I'm a big fan of 7-Minute Workout. I'm looking forward to getting this. Cool. Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm sort of transitioning my uh, development over to the smart TV platforms like Apple TV. So, yeah, I've got to buy one of these. I might buy it and then ask for or ask for permission later. <laughs> but, <laughs> that, but that looks awesome. Um, if, pe- if people want to follow up with you or see what you're up to these days, uh, where do they go, Awesome? So yes, they can follow me at Awesome Sharp, uh, which is my, of course, Twitter, and they can also email me at awesomesharp at gmail dot com and uh, awesomesharp.com, which is kind of like my blog where I announce things usually if i'm going to a conference or i'm developing a product but usually most of the time i am very active on twitter which is at azam sharp all right well uh we will wrap up the show but thank you for coming and we'll catch everyone next week hosting and bandwidth provided by the blue box group check them out at bluebox.net bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at iFreakShow.com slash forum. 